Well, friends, we did it. It took us 10 weeks, but we made it to the end of our James series. We've been walking through this book for some time now. Uh, and tonight we'll close out with the back half of James chapter 5. If you did not grab a Bible, we have some in the back. Uh, we also have handouts uh, if you want to grab that for tonight as well. Uh, I want to encourage you, as you have some time off this week, to read your Bibles. I know, very youth pastor thing to say, but if you don't know maybe where to start, go back and reread the book of James. It's very practical. I think it's applicable. I think it's fairly understandable. Uh, this is a good book to spend some time studying. So I just encourage you to spend some time reading the book of James. Not just, you know, don't put it on the shelf because we finished walking through it. There's more nuance. There's more to dive into, uh, and it's worth your time. Now, of course, the youth pastor is telling you, read your Bible. Shocking. A youth pastor is also going to tell you that you should pray. Like those are kind of the twin pillars of our faith. These are spiritual disciplines we should practice to read and to pray. And I would ask you to think about, don't answer this out loud. Don't raise your hand and be like, yeah, for me, yes. Uh, but just think, is prayer a priority in your life? Do you make prayer a priority? Or is it something that you kind of tack on as a, whoops, I didn't pray today. And now I'm going to pray as I fall asleep uh, so that, you know, I don't have bad dreams or whatever. I don't know what your rationale is in that moment. But do you make prayer priorities? Is it something that you're making time for? Prayer is something that is expected. Before we get into James tonight, I'll show you what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, this is from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 9. Jesus says, when you pray. And he goes on and says, don't be like hypocrites who, who pray publicly on the street corners. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. When you pray, don't babble on and on. Then he says, pray like this. You see, I've got that highlighted here. Just in these few short verses, there's an expectation that we would pray as people who follow Christ, that, that prayer would be a priority in our lives. And if you're like, I don't even know how to pray. What do, what do I, how? You can go read Matthew 6, starting in verse 9 there. It'll walk you through the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer, probably a better name for it. Prayer should be a priority in your life, but the reality is a lot of us don't make time for prayer the way that we should. We're going to close out by looking at James 5, 13 through 20. If you've got one of our house Bibles, it's on page 977. You can turn there or you can open your phone and scroll there. Uh, this will be a, a good passage for us to look at tonight. Let's take it verse by verse, starting in James 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. All right. If you have at any point in recent history gone through some hardships, some tough times, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand and keep it up? Look around the room. When you are going through difficult things, you're not alone. And I don't say that to make you be like, well, my stuff doesn't matter. No, no, no. What I'm trying to help you understand is suffering and tough times, that, that's a universal experience for all of us. Whether you've been following Jesus for a little while or a long time, we go through difficult things. And that's why James says if you're going through tough times, you should pray. And that's the first thing on your handout. You see under prayer, I've got three blanks. One is prayers for tough times. Prayers for tough times. Now, let me tell you what I think we all tend to do. And I'm not just talking to you students. There's adults in this room, and I think we are equally guilty. When tough times come, when troubles come, we're very quick to just complain. And we will just get down to the dumps, and we will moan and groan and bellyache, and it's not fair. 
And man, we just, that, that's our go-to reaction. And if that's not your reaction, that's awesome. But you probably know that person for whom that is true. Like they're just negative all the time. My life is so bad. Here's all the negative things going on. James is saying when there's tough times, pray. Pray about it. And again, I, like I know how elementary this stuff sounds. So why am I talking about it? Because I don't think we're doing these elementary things. Like when the tough times have come and almost everybody in this room raised their hands a minute ago. Did you pray about it? Or did you just complain about it? And praying about it can look a lot of different ways. You can pray and ask God to supernaturally change your circumstances. We see that happen over and over throughout the Bible. You can also pray and say, God, would you just give me the strength to endure through what I'm going through? Like God is not always going to just magically pull you out of that tough time, but he can give you the strength and the understanding and the peace, peace and the perseverance and the patience to get through it. So like, are you praying when you're going through tough times? I hope that you are. If you're not, let me encourage you, do so. Because some of us in this room, you're going through tough times right now. That wasn't a past tense thing for you. There's stuff jacked up with your family that's got you nervous out of your mind about spending time with them this week. Or you're freaking out over your academic standing and how that's going to finish up this semester. Or you're worried about college or you're worried about whatever tough time you're going through. I just want to encourage you, pray about it. Pray about it. But it's not just for tough times. Let's go back and look at that verse again. It says, are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Okay, if you have something in your life you're excited about, you're thankful for, you feel blessed by, do me a favor, raise your hand. Okay, look around again. It's almost all of us. You're probably going to be asked on Thursday by your grandma or your aunt when she pinches your cheek, now what are you thankful for, baby? Um, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to do that thing where you go around the table and everyone's going to, you know, what are you thankful for? Maybe you've already started thinking about it. Maybe you're thankful for that food that's going to be coming into your belly and you're, you're pumped for that. I, I am. Maybe you're thankful for time off from school. Maybe you're thankful for time with people that you love. All of us have something that we can be thankful for. And if you're happy, if you feel blessed, then you should pray. And you should talk to God about that. So prayer is not just for tough times. Prayer is for great times. When everything in your life seems to be going great and you're feeling, man, like everything's awesome right now, pray and tell God thank you. Here's one of my greatest fears. I think this is true. I think a lot of us are never further from God than when everything in our life is good and we're just content. Because we'll attribute that to our own hard work or we deserve it or, or whatever. But we don't stop and pray and go, hey, God, thank you for everything that you've given me. Being thankful is not something we should do just this one week out of the year. This should be a constant in and out thing, especially if you're living in tough times. Simultaneously, there are things in your life to be thankful for. Are you acknowledging those things? And let me give you kind of a pro tip. When you pray and you're telling God, thank you for stuff, tell him out loud. Saying stuff out loud can have a lot of power in your life. God, thank you so much. For the home that my parents have provided for me. Thank you so much for my car. Even though it's a beater, it gets me from A to B. Like little things you can be thankful for and you can be happy about and you can praise God for. Look back earlier in the book of James. This is from uh, James 1, 17. It says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. If you have blessings in your life, it's not because you are good enough or you earned it or necessarily that you worked hard enough. 
God has chosen to bless you. You can pull this verse out on Thursday when they start going around the table like, what are you thankful for? You can go, well, I'm thankful that James 1.17 tells us that everything good we have comes to us from God. Boy, your grandma will be so blown away. She'll be, she'll be so impressed. Put this, put this verse in your back pocket, James 1.17. But, but be thankful. We're working on right now teaching our three-year-old what it means to be thankful. Uh, and it's, it's tough, right? Like how do you put into words for someone so small they can't grasp conceptually all these things? And so what we've told Judah is this. To be thankful means it's something, something that you have, that you really like, it makes you happy. We tell Jesus, thank you. And we're just trying to get this concept into his three-year-old brain. But again, I think there's a lot of us as teenagers and even adults, we, we just don't do this. We think all the good stuff we have is from us, and we need to be thankful and pray and praise God for that. Let's keep reading. James 5, 14 through 15. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. This might seem like a really weird foreign concept to you. You're like, is this something we still do? This seems kind of old school, like something they did in biblical times. Yes, this is something that can still happen. You can still, when you're sick, have people come pray for you. You could be anointed with oil. You're like, that seems like I'll just need a bath. I know it might seem weird, but this is something that happened over and over in the Bible. And we see it work. Our church still anoints people with oil. And we have seen people healed in this church, not just thousands of years ago. It still happens. There is someone in my life who I honestly believe, I'm not even going to say it by name because they would be self-conscious. There's someone in my life who I believe they have been given the gift of healing. And when I've had different things going on with me, I will go see that person and say, hey, would you literally just lay hands on me and pray for me? It's a powerful thing to have someone pray for you. When is the last time you asked someone to pray for you? And not in a shallow, generic way. Hey, you just, you just pray for me. You got some stuff going on. Hey, I, I'm really having a tough time with this specifically. Would you pray for me about that? Maybe it is something physical and you need some healing. Maybe it's something emotional or spiritual that you need some healing. When's the last time you went to someone and asked them to pray for you? If you had to go tonight and ask someone to pray for you, who would you go to? Do you feel like they actually would pray for you? I'll tell you what I think we do a lot of times. We'll see somebody and they'll tell you a little bit what's going on. You're like, I'll pray for you, brother. I'll pray for you, sister. And then you walk right on and you don't pray for them. You forget. Let me encourage you. Pray for them right there. If you're like, hey, how can I be praying for you? And somebody tells you, cool, can I pray for you right now? And they might be like, uh, uh, this is weird. Just, just pray. You don't have to speak King James English. You can just pray. God, please be with, insert name, and insert situation, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Like, simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. But you can go to someone and ask them to pray for you. Because prayer is for each other. It's something we should do communally. Now, yes, Jesus talks about go away in your prayer closet. And, and don't pray publicly just to be praised by people. But also, we pray together. We join ourselves together and pray for collective things. We pray collectively for one cause, one issue, one person. It's a big, big deal. We keep reading a little bit, James 5, 16, still kind of reinforcing this praying for each other piece. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So that's how we're going to spend the rest of our time tonight. We're going to pair up and confess sins. Who's excited? 
Ellie was excited. Thank you, Ellie. I see that hand. I, I'm kidding because some of you are like, oh crap, I'm never coming back to this church again. If, we, if he's going to make me get up and confess my sins to somebody. But biblically, this is something we should do. Now, first and foremost, you confess sin to God. He already knows, but he wants you to tell him. And there, there's some healing that can come from confessing that sin to God. But then the Bible also tells us to confess your sins to other people so they can pray for you and there can be healing. Hear me. Not everybody has to know everything going on in your life, but somebody's got to know at least something. We isolate ourselves and we go, if people knew what I struggled with, they wouldn't look at me the same. They wouldn't want me in this church. They wouldn't be my friend. And so what we do is we hide and we live in fear. And I believe that shame thrives in silence. When you've got things that you are struggling with, you are not alone. Confess that sin. Confess that struggle and ask somebody, hey, would you pray for me about this? And I, I promise you, it will be awkward. It just will. To have to go to a friend, to go to a family member, go to someone here at church and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this sin. Would you pray for me about that? It takes a ton of humility. And you need to go to somebody with some maturity. You don't want to go to the, the least mature person you know because they're probably going to make fun of or ridicule you. Like You don't need that. But hey, these adults that you have that are your group leaders who come here week after week just because they love you, like maybe you could go to them and say, hey, I'm really struggling with something. Would you pray for me? Or you could come to me or you could go to a peer or a parent or a coach. Find somebody. Again, not everybody has to know everything, but somebody's got to know at least something. Confess your sins. Pray for each other. It says this earnest prayer of a righteous person can produce wonderful results. This is something that we do together. You see below those three blanks, it says we are, and the fill-in is, created for community. We are created for community. You are supposed to live the Christian life together with other Christians. Now, some of you long-timers have, have heard me say this before. But the first thing in the entirety of this book that is pronounced to be not good is not Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve eat the fruit. It's Genesis 2. Before Eve comes along, God looks at everything he made, and he sees that Adam is alone. He says, that's not good. I'll make a helper that's perfect for you. So if you are going through life alone, that's not good. It wasn't good for Adam. It's not good for you today. You are created to live in community, and you can't do that fully if you're keeping everything so close and keeping everything so secret. That's when that shame will start to bloom, and that's when that shame and that fear will take root, and your life will not be as fulfilling as it could be. Or creative for community. Go to somebody and say, hey, I'm struggling. Would you please pray for me? And again, it will be awkward maybe, and it might be hard, but that is what we are called to do. Let's keep reading. Verse 17 says, Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. And prayer works. Elijah is one of these Old Testament figures that we think of as some kind of like biblical superhero, right? Elijah and David and Abraham, you think they had something that we don't have. Hey, look right here at me. The exact opposite is true. Stop thinking that these biblical characters had something that you don't because you have something that they didn't. 
The Holy Spirit of God is here, and that power is available to us. They did not have a full understanding of who Jesus was and his sacrifice, and we can look back and see that. So Elijah, who it says was a human being who trusted God, he prayed that it wouldn't rain for three years, and it didn't. And then he prayed again that it would rain, and it did. You're like, holy crap, can I control the weather? No, but God does. And here's what Jesus said, that we can ask for anything in his name. He says, if you have even just the smallest amount of faith, he talks about being able to pray that a mountain would be uprooted and cast into the sea. And you're like, yeah, okay, this physics-defying kind of prayer, it's not really going to happen. You're right, because you don't think it will. It's a self-defeating mentality. Like, do you really believe that God can do anything and he wants to use you to do it? Jesus said, you'll do greater things than I did. Jesus but you don't believe you will. And you don't pray in faith and believe that you will. And I honestly think that's self-fulfilling. What could God do in and through you if you prayed and trusted him completely? That might be something that Elijah did have that you didn't, is a better dependence on God. You see, we treat, we treat Jesus kind of like a, an add-on instead of like the main most important thing. And if you can get that switched in your life, your prayer life will take off. And you'll see, last fill-in, that there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. When we pray for things to happen, God can move supernaturally. These miracles that we read about in the Bible, people being healed, people coming back to life, like that stuff's not limited just to this book. That stuff can happen today when we pray earnestly, when we pray in faith, when we pray for people. I asked you, when's the last time you asked someone to pray for you? Who are you praying for? Look at these last couple of verses from James 5. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings that sinner back from the wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Hey, if you would call yourself a Christ follower, let me ask you, who are you praying for that's not? If you're like me, I have family who doesn't know Jesus. And my heart breaks for them, and I pray for them. I have good friends who are far from God, who I love dearly and would desperately long to see them come into a relationship with Jesus. But it's hard, right? Because they've seen the worst of me. They've, they've seen some of the ugly parts of my life. And so I feel like maybe I'm not the most equipped to have that conversation. I don't believe that's true, but even if it was, what you can do is pray for that person. If you have loved ones who are lost, who have wandered away from God, and you're not praying for them, who do you think is? Like, seriously. Like, do you think I'm praying for your family? I don't even know them. That's not something for the professional Christians. That's you. I have close family, immediate family. They don't know Jesus. I've had family members die apart from a relationship with Jesus, and I don't believe I'll get to see them again one day, and that is tough. So I just want to encourage you to pray. Pray for people who are far from God. Pray for yourself if you're in this struggle. Pray blessings on others. Pray a thankful prayer for the things that you have. But make some time to pray. I'm going to lead us. And then you can keep praying. I hope you know that like, when the person in front is praying and they stop saying words, like you don't have to stop. You can just keep talking. And we'll do that for a minute, and then Jacob's going to 
kind of throw it back to a song from earlier this morning. Let me pray and let me just encourage you to join me in that prayer. God, you are so good to us. You love us. Everything good in our lives that we have is because of you. Jesus, you are the best thing that we could have in our lives. Give us a greater awareness of your presence through your spirit. God, if there's one person who can hear my voice right now who is far from you, my prayer is that Holy Spirit of God, you would begin to knock so forcefully on the door of their heart that they would have no choice but to take notice. God, that they would would open their hearts and their minds to you and that you would transform them, that they would pass from death to life. God, I pray for my friends and my family who are far from you. I pray that you would gently and lovingly reach out to them. And God, I pray that you would use me to be a part of that process. I pray for these students in the midst of their tough times and even their good times. For those whose hearts are far from you, for those who are passionately seeking you, God, would you just make yourself known to them in a special way, God. Maybe just in these next few minutes, would you draw near to them? We love you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. It's in your name we pray.